Woo! The Oscars came out this Monday, and man, we got a whole bunch of stuff to talk oh, about. Oh man, some surprising nominations, some uh, ones that didn't get, some snubs. Yeah, uh, yeah, man, a lot to talk about there. And then another huge week for Disney and HBO, man, just yeah. plugging it out. I mean, it's it's amazing. It's, it's great industry news this week. Yeah, especially if you're a comic book nerd, oh. you, you're, uh, you're just going to love this week. Yeah, I'm still co- trying to come down from it, man. It's just like, <laughs> uh, but we'll dive into that a little bit later now let's get a little crazy what's up guys welcome back to another episode of inside the crazy ant farm holy moly we're on episode 154 this week oh my goodness we just we had to tell everybody in hollywood all right it's a big week for industry news. We got to cut it off. No guests this week. Just had to let everybody know. <laughs> I mean, we can't snub Oscar nominations, I know. and but you know, we got we got. There's a lot. Plus, I mean, <laughs> you may have heard there's a little bit of super superhero news Just to talk bit. about. Just, Just tiny bit. that thing called the Snyder Cut Dude. came out. Holy shit! I know. And Falcon and the Winter Soldier. You YouTubers, you're seeing it. It's out there. I mean, oh, what a weekend for fucking comic book geeks. I love every second of it. I know, right? <laughs> it's freaking crazy, man. It's freaking crazy. But you guys know your host with the most, myself, JLo, fantastic, and the one and only Mouse. What's up? Yeah, guys, it's gonna be a crazy one. It definitely is. Whole bunch of industry news going down. But before we get this thing started, be sure to head over to our website, www.crazyantmedia.com, where you can start rocking the latest and greatest Crazy Ant Media gear. Some amazing merch out right now. And of course, you guys know you can donate to the Patreon page to start showing some love to the guys that you love. Yes. Oh, man. Well, let's get started with the biggie, the Oscars. It was crazy, Ooh. man. It was absolutely wild. Streaming is definitely taking over because Netflix had fucking 35 nominations all together people are saying no they're not a movie studio yeah they are yeah it's it's i mean end of discussion they're a movie studio and a streamer yeah but this is the third most in in oscar history the third most nominations which i don't think a lot of people know uh united artists They're not even like existing anymore. Well, they are, but they're not. They hold the record uh, for the most nominations with 45 in 1940s uh, slate of movies. And Miramax, you remember that? Miramax uh, with Weinstein there. Uh, It's 2002 and 2003 slate. They had 40 nominations. So there it is. I mean, the third most in history. And I mean, mm. Yeah, it's crazy, man. It's absolutely wild. I mean, they were definitely like throwing bows with Disney and all the other studios for the award season. And now this year, they're like, hey, we're here to stay, or at least going to try. Yeah, <laughs> because they're still spending boatloads of money on movies. Exactly, and 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 the mouse, you know, and and Netflix, they keep battling because the second most was was Disney with fifteen. Yes. So, uh, you know, there you go. They're, they're at constant battle with each other, right? Um, I mean, yeah, just... (sighs) Yeah, you got Amazon Studios, they got 12. I mean, Sound of Metal, uh, One Night Miami, just name a few, and the Borat sequel, which is honestly doing way better than I thought it would, which is really weird. But then, Apple came to the awards season this year. I mean, they're freaking... They got nominated for Wolf Walkers for the animated feature, and also Greyhound for uh, Best Sound. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of records were set this year, which was... And they're in good ones. It's good stuff. Judas and the Black Messiah made history for the first time a film with an entire black uh, producing team 
made up the director, uh, uh, Shaka King, Ryan Coogler, and Charles D. King, they were recognized for Best Picture. So that's the first time that's ever happened that the entire producing team was African-American and they got, and they got nominated for Best Picture. Um, among the other firsts, Riz Ahmed for Sound of Metal became the first Muslim to be nominated for Best Actor, which was really cool. Breaking down barriers, man. Breaking down barriers. Exactly. And it also made history by nominating two women in the directing category for the first time ever it's never happened before there's it's only been like i think nine total women only seven prior to this and it's never been more than one in the same you know ceremony so that's amazing um good for them chloe Zhao became the first woman to receive four nominations in a single year yeah so that she's kicking ass yeah um, right well i mean let's just dive into it let's dive into it best picture nominations are the father judas and the black messiah mank minari nomadland which is the fucking favorite right now uh promising young woman sound of metal and the trial of the chicago seven i'm telling you though well i think everybody's gonna have nomadland fatigue uh, Mank got the most nominations with 10. I think that's the one everybody needs to look out for. I'm just saying. I think Mank, you know, I don't know. We'll see. Actor in a leading role, Riz Ahmed for The Sound of Metal. Chadwick Boseman, posthumously, for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. I, I hope he gets to win. I'm just going to say yeah. it. Anthony Hopkins, The Father. Gary Oldman, Mank. Uh, Steven Yung, Minari, which would be badass, by the way. Come on. It would um, be badass. Glenn Come on, buddy. I know, um, right? if, if, if Chadwick can't win, I'm totally down for Glenn. Hell yeah. Um, <laughs> Actress in a leading role, Viola Davis for Ma Rainey's Black Bond. Uh, Andrew Day for the United States versus Billie Holiday. Vanessa Kirby for Pieces of a Woman. Frances McDormand for Nomadland. Carrie Mulligan for A Promising Young Woman. Yes. Actor in a supporting role, Sasha Baron Cohen for The Trial of the Chicago 7, Daniel Kaluuya for uh, Judas and the Black Messiah, Leslie Odom Jr. for One Night in Miami, Paul Racy for Sound of Metal, and Lakeith Stanfield for Judas and the Black Messiah. Mm, I'm pulling for him. Mm. I really am. Actress in a supporting role, we got Maria Baklova from Borat Subsequent What the Fuck Ever movie film, uh, Glenn Close from Hillbilly Elegy, uh, Olivia Coleman, the father, Amanda Surfry, from Mank, No Man Land for Chloe Zhao, and Promising Young Woman, Emerald Fennell. So there you go. There's your two women. Yeah, right. I mean, fucking Regina King still snubbed, I, man. I, that pissed me off so I, much. I know, I, just, I know. Uh, the film got snubbed, she got snubbed. Like, mm. I know, it's rough. Uh, writing the adapted screenplay goes to the nominations are uh, the Borat sequel, The Father, Nomadland, in uh, writing original screenplay, Judas and the Black Messiah, Minari, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, uh, The Trial of the Chicago 7. I think that's going to be the winner for that. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> it's going to be interesting. Uh, costume designs goes to uh, Emma, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Mank, Mulan, Pinocchio. Yeah, that was, wow, we haven't even seen Pinocchio know, yet. Right? Like, what? Uh, music for original score, De Five Bloods, Mank, Minari, News of the World, and Soul. Mm. Hello, Soul. Right, Same. come on now, come on now. Uh, music for original song, the nominations are Fight for You from Judas and the Black Messiah. When um, we got Hear My Voice from the Chicago 7. Who's Vic from the Erosion Song Contest? Um, you always see from the Life Ahead and Speak Now from One Night in Miami, and that's the one with Leslie Oldham Jr. Yep, I'm yep. pulling for that one. Yep. Uh, documentary feature. You've got Collective, Crip Camp, 
the mole agent, my octopus teacher. Right. Was she a little handsy? <laughs> was he a little handsy? We don't know. All right. All right I'm just saying. Uh, time. And uh, what, what, what's next? Documentary short subject. Yes. Colette. Uh, we got a Currencito is a conversation. Do not split Hunger Ward, a love song for a Lashada. And now we're on to animated feature films. Yes, which, which we, you know. <laughs> we, should, we all know what the winner is going to be. But we're going to say these anyway. Onward, Over the Moon, a Sean the Sheep movie, Farmageddon, Soul, winner, Wolfwalkers. There you go. <laughs> and that's the one for with Apple. So we'll see what yep, happens, yep, man. Yep. It's a tough category, though. We'll see. I think it's Soul, though. Yeah. Uh, for nominations for animated short film, we got Burrow, Genius Lucy. We got If Anything Happens, I Love You. Opera, yes, people. So, hmm, mm. I don't know, man. Live action short film. We've got Feeling Through, The Letter Room, The Present, Two Distant Strangers, and White Eye. Mm. Mm. International feature film. The nominations are Another Round from Denmark, Better Days, Hong Kong, Collective, Romania, The Man Who Sold His Skin, oh shit, uh, Tunisia, and Qual Quat Vades Ada. Uh, um, so yeah, we'll see, man. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. uh, best Cinematography, which is always a fun one Judas and the Black Messiah, Mank, News of the World, Nomad Land, The Trial of the Chicago Seven. Mm. Tough category, tough mm-hmm. category. For film ed- editing, the nominations are The Father, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and The Trial of the Chicago 7. Yes. Uh, production design, always a biggie. The Father, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Mank, News of the World, Tenet. Mm. Oh, getting some Tenet love in there. Right. Uh, for makeup and hairstyling, the nominations are Emma, Hibbily Elegy, uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Mank, and Pinocchio. There's that Pinocchio again. I know, right? Uh, for sound, Greyhound, which, I mean, yeah, if you didn't watch that, whoo, I, 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 that, I, I would not be shocked if that one won. Um, Mank, and by the way, for anybody that does Greyhound, that's not about a dog. It's Tom Hanks, you know, the, the submarine and, and boat movie. Yeah, okay. Anyway, uh, Mank, <laughs> News of the World, Soul. Mm, I, I want that one to win too. Right. Sound of Metal. That just sounds like it should win. Right. Sound of Metal. <laughs> uh, but okay. Uh, visual effects category. The nominations are Love and Monsters, The Midnight Sky, Mulan, The One and Only Ivan, and Tenet. Oh. So there they are, guys. There they are. Those There's are the, your nominations. Yeah, for the three-hour ceremony. And we're talking <laughs> about, we think we maybe might be watching the Oscars live with you guys again and, and going live on YouTube uh, or something like that. Maybe. Maybe we're talking about it. Yeah. One thing is for certain, though, we're all going to fill out our ballots and our uh, and we're going to go for the Gold Funko again this year. Of course. What Gold Funko it'll be? We don't <laughs> know yet. You know, Emily's got one. I've got one. Yeah, J-Lo I need needs one. to win one this year, man. He's the only one without the golden Funko. I know. We got to get you there. I know, man. But <laughs> it was so close last year. That I was know. close. It was crazy. Let's get started with some weird news because this was nobody saw this coming, no. and nobody knows where it came from. Movie Pass. Here's some mystery shit that went down on Tuesday. A Movie Pass website launched with a countdown clock to end on Monday, March 22nd, yeah. and the tagline, all it says is, "The movie is about to start." Nobody knows what is happening because CEO Mitch Lowe is not connected to this and neither is MoviePass chairman Ted Farnsworth either. So what the fuck is going on? Yeah, and which is basically what both of them said. What the fuck? Yeah. Well, we have no idea. <laughs> like, so... 
Yeah. I don't know. We'll see what happens on uh, March 22nd. Guys. Just get you Regal. Just yeah. Regal <laughs> is the it. best one. Or even AMC's. Fuck Movie Pass. Yeah. They fucked you once. They will fuck you again. Don't do it. Don't, don't do it. Just saying, don't do it. Don't fall for it. Disney has got a whole bunch of good news coming. Disney is on fire right now. After more than a year-long closure, Disney CEO Bob... We're just going to call him Bob now because Iger's like, you know, we don't have to con- designate them anymore. Bob Bob. Bob Bob. That's right. Bob Bob. <laughs> He's the Bob Bob. Uh, he announced that Disneyland, yes, Disneyland is set to officially reopen on April 30th. The Anaheim, California theme park and resort will start out with limited capacity per the state guidelines. Um, visitors will be required to use a new theme park reservation system to enter in addition to the tickets. And get this, when it first opens, okay, temporarily, at least for to start off with, only California residents will be allowed to go. Yeah, so all you guys out there in like Florida, South Carolina, Atlanta, yep, just pause for a second. Yep. <laughs> not yep. yet, not yet, but of course, we will let you know when you are allowed to go. Exactly. And more good news, uh, Chappick also announced that employees of Disney that work in California at the Burbank Studios and stuff will be allowed to start phasing back into work in July. So they're bringing people back, all the furloughed people and the people that they're bringing them back by July. So that's awesome. That's great. That is really good news. But Bob's been a little wishy-washy on some stuff. (sighs) Literally a few weeks ago, definitive theatrical release for Black Widow. It's going to happen. Well, now he's coming back a little bit. It's going to be a last-minute decision, he says. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, Obviously, it's now set for May 7th, but Disney has not indicated any plans yet on how it's going to be released. And when directly asked about Black Widow, if it'll stick to its release date, Chaffick emphasized that they need to embrace the flexibility in every sense of the word. And with this quote, he said, our situation and our conditions change every single day. Just a few weeks ago, theaters in New York and Los Angeles weren't even open. Now, all of a sudden, they're open. So we're waiting to see how prospective theater goers uh, respond to these reopenings. And we're going to remain flexible. We love the theatrical window. We think it's important for building our franchises. But at the same time, we don't think it's the only way to do it. We'll see what happens over the next couple months. So much is changing in the middle of this pandemic. And it's such as the dynamic of the environment that we're living in right now. It's a hard thing to predict what's going to happen uh, with consumer behavior in the next month or so. But... I will see what happens, basically, is what he's saying. Uh, he sounds like a politician. Uh, he he should run for office because that was the most non-answer answer I've ever heard. I know. Like, just say, yes, it's coming out May 7th. Like, if you feel comfortable bringing your employees back, if you feel comfortable opening Disneyland, you should be okay with theaters are going to be okay. Right. And, and you just keep Black Widow there. Like, what the fuck? And you know why you need to keep Black Widow there? Because people are coming after the records again. Your own company, Avatar, like what the fuck? Avengers Endgame (laughs) relinquished the title as the highest grossing movie in history back to Avatar, the previous record holder. Avatar returned to movie theaters last week in China. We told you about this. Grossed to 3.5 million, pushing its total haul to a historic 2.802 billion dollars. It's more now because by the end of this weekend, it's going to be even higher. Yeah. To which... Loyal Marvel fans, Feige fans, the MCU, they were like, just fucking release Endgame again. Yeah, We exactly. want Endgame again. Take the title back. 
duh. I mean, I feel like that should happen, and I think Disney will. They're just going to play now. Yeah. They're just going to play back and forth. It's only going to benefit them. Like. Yeah. And you know why I think they did this? They, they're testing as to whether they think those sequels are going to have an audience. Yeah. And this proved that it will, at least in China. Yeah. And so I think that's why they did it, though. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see how all that plays out and if Endgame will really get re-released, which, I mean, I think it should because Marvel is by far its number one franchise right now, so it only makes sense. Yeah. But, and yeah. I mean, speaking of the number one franchise, guys, it was a huge day for Marvel because Falcon and the Winter Soldier dropped. Oh, my gosh. And it was literally like a... A movie. It was like an hour-long movie. Minute movie. Yeah, yeah, it was so... The opening sequence is just like unbelievable. It's Falcon in an all-out air battle with jets and shit, and I'm just like, what is going yeah. on? Redbird is back! It was so badass! Uh, I, I just the whole thing. There's surprises. We won't spoil it for you until next time. But uh, yeah. there, there's surprises in there. There's some Marvel characters that pop up in there. There's... uh, it, It's just... It's fina- It's going to do what WandaVision did. It's going to be number one, no doubt about it. It'll be the most talked about show. Um, and it was fucking phenomenal. Marvel just can't do wrong. Yeah, I they agree. They can't do wrong. Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying. Yeah, super excited about the next week's episode. Especially, I mean, a little bit of a spoiler. They don't connect with each other at all in the first episode. Nope. So hopefully that happens in the second episode. Yeah, I mean, the Falcon was all about, like, coming back and trying to reacclimate in, and what, what, Winter Soldier was all about redemption and trying to redeem himself trying after to, everything yeah, that he's because done. because he's going through his pardon, and he's trying to make sure, he's trying to clear his mind, basically, because you only know the kind of PTSD he went through. So. Exactly. Feige, by the way, did, just, I'm just going to throw this out there, leading into the next story, did confirm... But not confirm. Again, he's a master of the answer, no answer. Also, that Young Avengers is happening. Yeah. <laughs> he said, we're not putting these characters out there for no reason. Yes, Cassie's coming in the next Ant-Man one. Yes, we did Wiccan and Speed. Yes, we're doing Kate Bishop. What do you think? Is basically what he said. So <laughs> we think Young Avengers. Thank you, Kevin. Um, more casting news, though. One Night in Miami star Kingsley Benadir, you know, Obama and then uh, Malcolm X in uh, One Night in Miami. He is going to be cast alongside Samuel L. Jackson and Ben Mendelsohn in the uh, next Marvel series, Secret Invasion. Exact details of his character are being kept under wraps. Of course. Because it's Marvel, of course. But according to sources, he will be playing the main villain. Mm. Jackson will, as you guys know, reprise his role of Nick Fury, while Mendelssohn will also reprise his role as Scroll Talos, as he did in Captain Marvel. And if you guys aren't in aware or or no, Secret Invasion centers on Fury and Talos, who first met during the events of Captain Marvel, and a faction of shape shifting scrolls who have been infiltrating Earth for years, like decades. Yeah. So, what that means going into Phase Four are some of the people that we think you know maybe they're not them, maybe they're scrolls. Exactly. So, I mean, that's the whole point of Secret Invasion. We'll find out. Yeah. Right. Oh, man, it's so super exciting. More exciting news that are happening with reboots slash remakes, I guess you yes. could say. E.J. Williams has been the latest casting announcement for a main role in The Wonder Years pilot at ABC. Williams will star in a role uh, in the role of Dean, described as an inclusive and hopeful 12-year-old kid coming to age in a turbulent time in 1968 in Montgomery, Alabama. Yes. And uh, Dean is trying to figure out his place with Within his black family as 
the at a world at large going crazy uh through a little insecure a tad bit awkward and self-conscious time in his life he is determined to make his mark on the world around him so, so he's kevin basically he, he, he's gonna be the kevin in this series which was cool because fred savage told him he's yeah. the one who bro- broke the announcement to him hey congratulations you're gonna be the main lead in this thing there we which go was fantastic uh last week we told you about who mom was gonna be this week we are, we know who dad is gonna be Dule hill which fucking love i i mean he everything he's ever been in west wing charlie like especially but anyway everything he's ever been in suits all that good stuff uh fantastic uh he's gonna be dad and laura karuski has also been cast she's gonna be the big sis Dulé will star as the family patriarch bill williams he's a music professor by day and a funk musician by night oh that's fun uh, okay described as um by adult dean i wonder have we found out who's gonna narrate it as adult dean i, I, I don't mean, believe so that's going to be interesting, too. He's the baddest guy I knew. Almost always common composed. His favorite words are, be cool. Bill wants his family and their black, middle-class neighborhood to remain self-sufficient as he puts his money where his mouth is. And like I said, Karuki's going to play Kim Williams, Dean's teenage sister. Kim is confident, bright, and popular. She and Dean bicker, as siblings do, but they have a good relationship. Oh, That's okay. nice. Yeah. <laughs> Fun stuff, man. Fun stuff. The next story is yours. Oh, venerable <laughs> sitcom director James Burroughs. He's been at, like literally behind everything basically NBC has ever done that was successful. I'm just going to say that. Has been tapped to direct executive produce the pilot episode of ABC's straight-to-series multi-camera comedy starring Alec Baldwin, Kelsey Grammer. And Alec Mappa. This one's going to be interesting. Oh, yeah. I mean, you guys know. We've told you about this show a lot, but now we know who's going to do it. Um, it also marks a reunion for Burroughs and Grammar because Burroughs was the director and executive producer on both Cheers and Frasier. That's good. Like I said, the guy behind every hit show on NBC. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be a comfortable set to work on, no it doubt. It will be. Uh, speaking of interesting sets to work on, Chris Harrison, you know, the fucking host of The Bachelor and The Bachelor. No, he's not stepping in. For the time being, he's not coming back next season. He will be temporarily nope. replaced by rotating fan favorite alums from the franchise, including former Bachelorette stars Taisha Adams and Caitlin Bristow. And beyond the next season of The Bachelorette, there is no permanent decision regarding his future. So, who knows, man? Who knows? Maybe it'll be the end, which I don't think so. It's very popular, and I don't think they would end it because of some douchebag. But we'll see, man. We'll see. I think Emmanuel Acho should just always do it. I think so, too. <laughs> and I think you should just take out temporarily in that story and just say Chris Harrison is not coming. Yeah, I, <laughs> I mean, mean. Temporarily replaced? No. If you say temporarily replaced and then later you say no decision has been made, just take the temporarily out. They're, they're, he's not coming back. It's not happening. It's not happening. Hey, Shannon Woodward and Nicole Richie. Yeah, Nicole Richie, where has she been? Like the like the other Richie daughter's been getting all the press, but Nicole's apparently making a comeback. Shannon Woodward and Nicole Richie have been cast in the ABC comedy pilot Bucktown mm. in the multi-cam sitcom after being dumped by her boyfriend and kicked out of her apartment on the eve of her big promotion. Remember, we've told you about this one. Amy, which is Woodward, finds refuge at her mom's house, and you guys know the story on this one. She, she doesn't fit in. She's like, a, there's a, you know, like a very progressive. It's basically you know. mom. Yeah, it's basically mom with differing opinions. Exactly. Political opinions. Well, Richie, Nicole Richie's going to star as Jan, Amy's boss. 
Yeah, interesting. Nicole, wow. Yeah, oh, just hey, interesting Nicole, role. Slap the older tag on yeah, Nicole right. Richie, right? Like now she's a boss. Uh, Jen sucks up all the energy in the room. She's very professional when it comes to the wildly unprofessional partnership she has with her husband, Finn. Oh, shit. Oh. That's interesting. Now we're talking Nicole Richie. Now yeah. we're talking. <laughs> all right. Let's clean it up a little bit. The Disney Channel has announced that uh, the animated special Descendants, The Royal Wedding, will premiere on the network this summer. The film will feature Mal and King Ben's royal wedding. Oh. Uh, reprising their roles are Dove Cameron and Mal as Mal and Sophia Carson as Evie. Uh, Babu Stewart as Jay, Michelle Hope as Ben, Sarah Jeffrey as Audrey, and Melania Paxton as the fairy godmother. So that's super exciting and apparently this is a much anticipated one. All through Twitter when you search up like Disney Channel kids stuff, they're talking about this one. So... I'm, yeah, I'm sure a lot of people are excited about it. And I know a lot of people are saying, you know, um, what about Cameron Boyce? Who, yeah. as you guys know, he had the seizure and died and everything, and he was a main cast member in that. Uh, they will address that in this in this you know special, and they will uh, pay a special uh, you know homage to him in honor his memory. Uh, so good, I think that that's because you know that it should be done like that. Agreed. Um, Mindy Kaling ha- and Dove Cameron. I just thought about it. the Powerpuff Girls, so she's gonna have a busy fucking summer coming up. Apparently, yeah. Mindy Kaling has joined the cast of Disney Plus's animated series Monsters at Work. Mm. You guys know this one. We told you about it. The spinoff of uh, Monsters Inc. Kaling will voice the role of Val Little, an enthusiastic member of the Monsters. Monsters, Inc. Uh, facilities team. Oh, miffed. <laughs> miffed. Additionally, Bonnie Hunt will reprise her role as Mrs. Flint, who was formerly in charge of training new uh, scarers at Monsters, Inc., but will now manage the department responsible for recruiting and training the funniest monsters to become jokesters. Billy Crystal, John Goodman, Ben Feldman, Jennifer Tilly, John Ratzenberg, Ben Peterson, Henry Winkler, Lucas Neff, Stephen Staten, Aisha Taylor, and everybody else will all return to voice their characters in the series. That's awesome. That's awesome. Hell yeah. Uh, Mark Webb is set to direct the first two episodes of Just Beyond, Disney Ooh. Plus's horror comedy based on R.L. Stein's graphic novel series. Uh, Seth Graham Smith is writing and showrunning the eight-episode horror comedy, which is now in production of uh, its first installment in Atlanta. Oh. So very exciting. A lot of things happening in Hollywood South. Hell yeah. And I'm really excited about this one because I was a huge fucking fan fan of justified so if we're if we're gonna get Raylan back i'm fucking thrilled uh the creators behind fx's long-running drama justified are reuniting for a drama based on elmore leonard's other big novel city primeval high noon in detroit which is in early development at fx um justified as you guys know was uh based on leonard's other famous novel uh raylan given stories with timothy oliphant starring as the u.s marshal mm. raylan givens which is so badass um but here's the here's the kicker apparently city primeval the book does not feature raylan mm. but the tv show the goal is to bring timothy oliphant back as raylan somehow have them uh interact with the main star of uh, City Prime, Primeval, which is Detective Raymond Cruz. So that's going to be interesting. And it, I mean, it was such a hugely popular show, and Raylan Givens was such a hugely, hugely popular character. It only makes sense to try to bring him back to get people to watch the yeah. 
yeah, one. Completely so. agree. Completely agree. Or you could just introduce a multiverse. <laughs> ah, <laughs> nice that's transition. What Zack Snyder's The Justice League did. They, I mean, it introduced so much more as well. Oh my gosh! Like it was crazy. I I was saying for weeks and weeks and weeks I was not gonna sit down for four hours and watch this thing. But guess what I did? <laughs> I did the exact opposite of Hell what I yes. said. Uh, it was great. Because it didn't feel like four hours. It didn't. It really doesn't. I mean, it flows so well. And you're right. And, like, sorry, guys. Unlike, uh, you know, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Spoilers. Yeah, we got to talk about this. It fixes, like, fucking everything. There's more character background. You finally get the full gist of Cyborg and where his armor came from and how it interacts with the mother boxes. Flash, finally you see him. They talk about the implications. Uh, they, they basically set up the fucking Flash movie and Flashpoint because they tell you what happens when he fucks up and breaks the rules yeah. and he runs faster than the speed of light. Um, he, he literally in this movie reverses time. Exactly. He reverses time and, and like in the epilogue. Mm. Oh. So good. So good. Yeah. That Joker Batman scene. Mm, yeah, mm, mm. but I mean, this is what the DC universe need because in the first Justice League movie, you have no like emotional like connection with yeah. a few of the characters that were introduced into this film, like Aquaman, fucking the Flash, and Cyborg. But now you literally get a backstory on all of those guys, so it's so much better, and it gives you more of that dynamic and that connection and it shows a better like group dynamic between all six of them as well yeah because you get their full stories and no, there's no more you know like stupid jokes back and forth they're like genuinely a team who care about each other and like you know that kind of stuff and uh, that shot of superman in the black suit when he flies up and is like re-energizing in front of the sun in front of earth that is such a fucking epic shot and the conversation between you guys saw it, yeah, it was teased all about it, but between Joker and Batman yeah. in the fucking nightmare scenario, that's in the epilogue, guys, at that very end. But I mean, Joker's talking about how he fucking killed Robin, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, death of the family. And fucking Batman says how he fucking killed Harley Quinn and then how he was going to fucking kill Joker. Like, yeah, the whole thing, I was just like, oh my God, this is fucking epic. Like, yeah. I mean. And honestly, I've been pretty open about how, like, Ben Affleck is not my favorite Batman, not even remotely close. But in this movie, it was actually really good to watch. And I think that's kudos to Zack Snyder fucking directing him as Batman. Yeah, this is the Batman that we wanted, all wanted to see, not rushed. Yes. Like, I've, even even though Zack Snyder was still in full control of Batman versus Superman, I feel like it was rushed. It was. Warner Brothers cut it down. It was shorter than Zack wanted it. We didn't get backstory. We didn't get the. This is the Batman that I think everybody wanted to see. And uh, how they set up Justice League, fucking Martian Manhunter. That like I'm glad they showed like, him more than once too. Yeah, yeah I yeah. thought they were only going to show him that one time uh, outside of uh, fucking Lois's apartment. But I'm really glad he came back during like the whole epilogue stuff and yeah. like, came back to Bruce. And obviously, you could tell that was probably one of the reshoots because Ben Affleck looks a little bit different. He looks yeah, skinnier yeah, 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 in yeah. that one. But honestly, my favorite scene was probably when Soups comes back and is fucking everybody else up it shows how like powerful he really is oh, he is by far the most powerful superhero 
ever. And they also showed how powerful Wonder Woman is. How yeah. I mean, that fight scene when they're taking down Steppenwolf, she's whooping just as much ass as Superman. Yeah. And uh, uh, and by the way, I loved that. There were no no more little oh boom, we got him, and they we can you know he's gone away. No, they fucking chopped off his fucking horn. Yeah, exactly. Then they, they impale him with the fucking trident, and then Diana cuts off his fucking head and kicks him back to dark side. I was loving every second of that. Like fucking right, yeah. Um, guys. It's worth every second of the four hours. It is. And um, you've seen the response already. Hopefully next week we'll have some numbers about views. But if social media is any indication, it's going to be a massive hit. And the call for Snyder to come back and finish the DCEU is already on. So hopefully – Hope so. Hope Warner so. Brothers I listens. saw a thing today that he is like nobody's even said anything to me. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. We'll but I hope so. A, a Warner Brother executive anonymously did say – it is being discussed that if this is a hit, it could happen. Yeah. A sequel could happen. So <laughs> we'll see. Right. We're, we're going to follow along. Yes, very exciting, man. Very exciting. Not the only thing, though. Matt Reeves is Batman because it's a multiverse, yes. right? It finally, guys, finally wrapped production officially. The highly anticipated film was delayed twice, as you guys know, from an original June 21 uh, release date due to the COVID stuff. But in early September last year, remember, the project was also shut down because somebody on the cast, rumored to be Patton's himself, got uh, COVID. Well, all that's done, and now it's all set. It's good. It's officially wrapped. It's headed in the post and should maintain its release date. So we'll find out. Yeah. We'll find out. But I'm excited about this one because it looks so damn good. I it mean, does look really freaking good. And especially a new perspective on film that we haven't seen before from a Batman character. Like year two Batman basically working on more detective skills. We haven't seen that in the film side of things. So no, it's we have to be really good. It's the definitive other end of Ben Affleck's Batman exactly. in Justice League. The old grizzled been doing it for decades kind of like – now we get to see the young just trying to figure it out kind of Batman, which is going to be awesome. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, Warner Brothers and DC Films are developing an adaptation of the popular comic book character, Our Man. Mm-hmm. Now, this film will center on the brilliant yet troubled annulus uh, who discovers his visions that have plagued him since childhood and are actually glimpses of tragic events that occur one hour in the future. Uh, determined to win back his ex-wife and son, he heroically prevents these tragedies from unfolding, finding both purpose and redemption along the way. Yes. I have a theory that they're setting up the Justice Society. That's that's all. We already know Justice Society members are showing up in Black Adam. Now we're getting our man. It just sounds to me like they're going to – if they don't decide to give Snyder a sequel and they don't follow up with Justice League, we're going to get the Justice Society of America. Yeah. I, it just seems to where it's be, uh, going. I don't, I don't know, but that's my guess. This one I'm not happy about. I'm sorry. I'm just not happy about it. Don't hate me, but I'm just saying it's it. It's the third – yeah, and, and uh, to me, I loved the original, but I thought Steve Martin's and Kimberly Williams were, were just like, you can't get any better than that, and yet we're doing it again. I'm talking, of course, about Father of the Bride. Andy Garcia will be tapped in the role of father, yes, because, you know, you have to have the father and Father of the Bride. It's going to revolve around a Latina family this time. The film will tell the story of a father coming to grips with his daughter's upcoming wedding, because that's the premise, um, with the prism of multiple relationships within a big, sprawling Cuban-American family. It will be more of a rom-com than the previous versions of the films. Uh, while this will mark the third, like J-Lo said, iteration of the story, 
Sources are saying that this will be more in vain of the original Spencer Tracy uh, and Catherine Hepburn uh, one than the Steve Martin one. Oh. But if it's more of a rom-com, I, I don't know. I think that would be more of the Steve Martin one. Yeah. But, I mean, just uh, I don't think you should do it. Yeah. That's just my opinion. But. Yeah, it's very interesting. It's all it's like a double-edged sword because obviously we're not huge fans of reboots and remakes and all that stuff. But then at the same time, all these Latinx people who grew up loving watching this movie get to see themselves in this movie role. It's like a good thing for them. So, I mean, it's a good thing for everyone, but I, at the same time, it's just remakes, remakes, remakes. Yeah, I mean, you know, and and because we, we talk about it every week, I mean, they're doing plenty of original shows, like George Lopez's new show and stuff. They're doing plenty of original stuff with Latinx families, and, and you know, so just, why do a reboot? I like, I don't know. It's I don't the know. time. It's the time. It is. Uh, Matthew McConaughey, besides running for governor of Texas, <laughs> is attached <laughs> to star in a series adaptation of a Gra- John Grissom novel a Time for Mercy, which is currently in development at HBO. Yes. Uh, the book, published in 2020, is the follow-up to Grisham's, Grisham's book, uh, Time to Kill, and the Sycamore Row. So, all center around the same character attorney, uh, Jake Britt. Brigance. Brigance. McConaughey previously starred as Brigance in the film adaptation of A Time to Kill back in 1996. Yes. So, I mean, this only makes sense. Yeah, with Sandra Bullock and, like, uh, Ashley Judd and Samuel Jackson. I mean, it's basically what catapulted him to stardom. Yeah. That movie. Um, So, well, and, of course, you know, Dazing Feet. All right. All right. All right. Of course. But, um, yeah, I'm excited about this one. I know my mom is, like, fucking jonesing for this one because she's got every John Grissom book ever. Ever. So, I'm surprised she didn't tell us about this yeah. like all right come on now um man and talk about another show that just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger with the cast but we are talking about the the 80s lakers and that's showtime baby so it, it was huge so it has to have a huge cast adrian brody yes oscar winner adrian brody oscar winner sally field and the one and only man himself michael chiklis all joining the cast now which is going to be awesome as you guys know i'm talking about hbo scripted series about the L.A. Lakers, which still doesn't have a name yet, untitled because they were known as Showtime, and do we want to call it Showtime? Right. It's HBO, so we don't know. But um, it was ordered, like we said, back in uh, December of 2019, and it's going to be chronicling the rise and fall of the 80s Lakers, which is going to be awesome. It's going to be going head-to-head with the other franchise of the 80s that was epic, the Boston Celtics, yes. which is very, very cool. Um which is why these people were cast. Um, Sally Field is going to star as Jesse Buss, mother of the Lakers owner Jerry Buss, who will play uh, be played by John C. Riley. Um, so that's going to be interesting. Brody is going to play the man himself, Pat Riley. Oh, yeah, the man, the myth, the legend, Pat Riley, who, of course, led the Lakers to all the championships. Um, and then Michael Chiklis is going to play on the opposite side, legendary Celtics coach Red Auerbach. So mm. that's going to be so badass. And of course, our buddies Kirk Boville and uh, Spencer Garrett, both former guests on the show, and they're in it. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's huge. I know. This it's thing, huge. it's damn near like the first ladies type shit. Like, it, so many people yes. are attached to this. Yes. Thing. And I, I mean, I was in 
a Showtime fan. I mean, I loved the fucking Lakers in the eighties and like their running gun and Kareem and James Worthy and Magic and all. I, I just I couldn't get enough, so I'm gonna love every second of this series. It's gonna be so good. It's gonna be so good. Well, in the Heights will hit theaters and HBO Max sooner than expected. The adaptation of Lin Manuel Miranda's hit musical is slated to open June eleventh instead of June eighteenth, so a whole week before. Yeah. Uh, in the Heights was originally scheduled to debut in June, but the movie was postponed. Obviously obviously because of covid uh the film like the rest of warner brothers 2021 slate like i said will debut simultaneously on hbo max which is fantastic and it's going to be available to stream on the platform for 31 days which is more than enough time oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah Guys, sneakerheads and and streetwear fashion is no joke, guys. It is no joke. You know sneakerheads got made into a film and a Netflix series with Alan Maldonado, another one of our past guests. Well, now HBO Max is given a series order to The Hype, which is a streetwear competition series where fashion visionaries must elevate their designs and remain authentic to their style without being eliminated. The show is going to feature 10 streetwear professionals who will compete in challenges to prove they can deliver their product with each of the eight episodes offering an inside scoop on the business of mm. fashion. That sounds badass, yeah, honestly. I'm I excited mean, about that one. Yeah, me too. That's going to be great. Uh, HBO Max is doing some interesting things as well. They're also gearing towards the documentary lane, because yep. who's not? Uh, they're doing a documentary about the late actor Brittany Murphy. Now, this mm. documentary will explore her life and the death of Murphy, who is best known for the film Clueless, and whose other credits include like 8 Mile, Just Married, and the Fox animated comedy series King of the Hill. She died in 2009 at the young age of 32, though her death was ruled an accident and determined to be a result of a combination of paranormal and effects of several other counter over-the-counter drugs that she had taken now the death only one year later of her husband was fueled by speculation of her passing so it's just a whole bunch of stuff yeah but there's now some we're gonna... shady shit that people are going to be diving into yeah. for that one there was always question about did he kill her did he overdose her kind of a thing Conspiracy and then you know kind of kill himself down the line from guilt or yeah it's going to be interesting but i was a fan of britney murphy so i think that's going to be a good one i was too uh, Elizabeth Lale has joined the ensemble cast because this is a biggie. This one's coming for the HBO Max upcoming reboot, I guess revival of, because it's not really a reboot, of Gossip Girl. Yes, Gossip Girl. Um, Lale joins an ensemble cast that the reboot or re uh, revival, I guess, uh, includes Jordan Alexander, Julian Calloway, Whitney Peake, Thomas Doherty, and a whole bunch of other ones. And like the original series, the new iteration of Gossip Girl is going to um, be set eight years after the original website went dark. A new generation of New York private school teens are introduced to the social surveillance of Gossip Girl. The prestige series will address just how much social media and the landscape of New York itself has changed over the past eight years. Yeah. So there you go. There See, it is. revival. That That's more of a revival than a reboot. Yeah, basically, basically. So I've chose to look at this in a whole different perspective because I want to look more at the positive and not the negative. I'm sure everybody <laughs> saw that HBO has announced a few new, as in three more, fucking Game of Thrones series coming at you. Well, yeah, I've chosen to look at this like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. They're just expanding. <laughs> They're just trying to, you know, get everything a little bit everywhere. But now there's going to be 
There's literally five in the works right now, which is a little crazy, but it's okay. It's fine. Uh, HBO is developing the three new Game of Thrones prequel series, The Nine Voyages, which will center around Lord Clorys Volerun, uh, who is best known as the sea snake, the head of the mm. Vulgarian, um, the husband to uh, Rhaenys Targaryen on the sea snake vessel, uh, the most well-known neutral... Uh, natural adventurer of an all Westeros. Lord Clorys built the house even wealthier than the Lannisters that claims the largest navy in the world. And there's also going to be Flea Bottom, and that's going to take place in the poorest district in King's Landing. While 10,000 ships revolves around Princess Nymeria, who journeyed uh, with the Roiner of Drorn and married Lord Morris Martell. So there's a lot of stories to be told. I'm glad in you this took universe. all that because I don't know who any of those people there's are. There's a lot happening. <laughs> like, so <laughs> just try to keep up. That's all I can say. That's all I'm trying to do. And that's all we can strive for. And now just I really to have up. to watch it so that I can be prepped for all these yeah, spin offs. Yeah, you really do. I really do. Speaking of characters that, like, nobody has heard of, and I think this is the uh, the Arrowverse, the CW's um, attempt to do what Marvel did with taking obscure characters and trying to make them, you know, known. <laughs> uh, the CW has cast the lead for Naomi, the pilot based on the DC Comics character of the same name. Yeah, do you have you heard of her, Naomi? She's yeah. a powerful, uh, you know, regular superhero. No, I yeah, of course you don't know. All right, <laughs> the pilot hails from Ava DuVernay, though. Um, Casey Walfall will star in the title role as Naomi, described as an effortlessly cool and confident high school student who is the adopted daughter of doting parents. Mm. Uh, popular with all the kids in her military town, Naomi is unafraid to embrace her AP student comic book loving nerdiness, but after a supernatural event leads to the discovery of powers within, Naomi pursues her hidden identity and destiny. So there you go. I mean, yeah. you know, but honestly, I mean, I'm a comic book geek and I've never even heard of Naomi. So this is going to be an interesting one. Kind of seems like a Constantine character with supernatural and all yeah, that like, stuff. Yeah, like, so. yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> uh, Damian Wayans Jr. has signed on to Kill the Orange-Faced Bear, the TBS comedy pilot about a man bent on revenge after a bear eats his girlfriend. Wayans Jr., who will serve as an executive producer, plays Hank, and he's described as a charming, funny, and grieving man who is hell-bent on tracking down this bear who attacked his girlfriend on a camping trip. Uh, Kill the Orange-Faced Bear will be told both from Hank's point of view as well as the POV point of view of the bear, uh, who is just trying to move on from the incident and navigate the other bears in her life. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, so. oh, by the way, guys, if, if it doesn't sound like crazy, it's actually a true story. Yeah. So that's two weeks in a row now where we've had weird bear stories, like that thing about the cocaine, the yeah. bear that died on all the cocaine, and now this one that, like, and we're going to see it from the point of view of the bear? Yeah. Really? Okay. All yeah. right. Okay. Sure. So. Comey Rule kicked ass, right? Like, it was badass. It was huge in the ratings. Our, our former guest, boy, we have a lot of former guests, don't we? Billy Ray did such a phenomenal job on that. Spencer Garrett was in that one. Loved every second of it. Well, of course, that was the telling of the Trump presidency and, and you know, the downfall of James Comey and, and all that kind of stuff. Well, Billy Ray is not done. Remember how Trump, you know, kind of like 
basically incited the riot on the Capitol. Well, Billy Ray is going to tell us that story, too. Showtime is developing a limited series about the January 6th riot at the U.S. Capitol. It's coming from Billy Ray and Shane Salerno, uh, who previously worked, like I said, on the Comey Rule. Ray will write the series and direct, like he did with the Comey Rule, and Salerno will executive produce. The limited series is going to examine and explore multiple points of view of the events leading up to the January 6th attack, uh, including the final days of the Trump administration and the culminate with the attack itself, the aftermath and the FBI and congressional investigations into it. Mm. So that is going to be badass. And you know he's going to include what just happened in the news lately where four Republicans voted to not honor the Capitol Police for saving them. Yeah. What? He's got to include that in there. But. Right. It's super crazy. And bring old boy back to play Trump if you're going to like, oh, yeah. include the final days of the Trump presidency. Oh, yeah. Like, you got to have him out there saying, march down to the Capitol yeah. like he does. You know, come on. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Uh, Diane Weist is set to star opposite of Jeremy Renner and oh. Paramount Plus series Mayor of Kingstown. We've talked about this one a little yep. bit. The series follows uh, McCluskey, the family, uh, power brokers in Kingston, Michigan, where the business is uh, reincarnated or reincarnated incarcerate reincarnated uh, is the only thriving industry tackling themes of systematic racism corruption and inequality the series provides a look at the their attempt to bring order and justice to the town that has neither so gonna be a very interesting series yeah, and she's going to, I guess, play Jeremy Renner's mom. Yeah. The the matriarch of the family. Okay. Uh, this one sounds really cool. Showtime has ordered a drama series about Zulu King Shaka with Antoine Fuqua on board to direct and executive produce. It's going to be rooted in actual events and the series titled Shaka, King of the Zulu Nation. If you're from NOLA, of course, you know all about this. Like, you know, of course. Um, it's going to chronicle Shaka's unlikely rise to power uniting multiple tribes across the vast stretches of Africa in the early 19th century to transform his power into legend on par with history's most seminal figures. Mm. Um, yeah, and you know, the Zulu parade and like, yeah, they, I mean, there's a whole kind of history lesson in New Orleans about this, so um, I think it's going to be exciting. Definitely, definitely. Diego Calva is joining the ensemble cast of the Damien Chazelle's Hollywood period Paramount feature Babylon. And yes. you guys know he's joining Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie, Lin Jun Lee and so many others. This project is set for Christmas Day of 2022 and a uh, January 6, 2023 uh, expansion on the R-rated drama. So it's going to be very interesting. Everybody knows this is the one that goes from silent films to talkies yes. so it's gonna be very interesting i'm super pumped about that film Agreed. I, I just think he's a brilliant filmmaker and i love old hollywood and so going from silence to talkies is gonna be epic Agreed. uh oh harry potter's in the news yes well daniel radcliffe <laughs> he's set to join the cast of paramount's the lost city of D, and he's going to play the villain role in the romantic adventure. Uh, Radcliffe joins Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum in the film, which follows a reclusive romance novelist. We've talked about this one, which is Sandra Bullock, of course, who was sure nothing could be worse than getting stuck on a book tour with her cover model, Channing Tatum. Channing Tatum. <laughs> Until a kidnapping attempt sweeps them both into a cutthroat jungle adventure, proving... Life can be so much stranger and more romantic than any of her paperback fiction. It's going to be so interesting. Daniel Radcliffe man. as a bad guy going up against Channing Tatum <laughs> right? is already got my note. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be hilarious. I'm in. I'm in. Okay. 
this next one. What like what the fuck? We talked about this a few weeks ago when they announced that they were going to do a face-off uh, reboot, like you know, or a remake, right? Like, and we were like, why? Like, and like I, we just didn't understand. Well, the director is clarifying. He has come out and said, no, 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 it's not a reboot. It's not a remake. It's a direct sequel. Adam Wingard confirmed that his upcoming face-off film at Paramount is, in fact, a direct sequel to the original. And he also confirmed that he wants original stars John Travolta and Nicolas Cage to return as their characters. Wingard revealed that they're writing the script as we speak um, to feature both of the characters and the two-time Oscar winner's involvement depends on whether they like the draft or not. No. Please no. I know. I just hate it, guys. Just hate it just, so that we don't do it. Can like, we just, just not have Not that. do it. Uh, anyway, production on iCarly Revival began this week. Uh, the new season will be 13 episodes long and will take on what's happening in the decades since the show ended. Carly Shea is trying to live life in her 20s, and but as with real life, there are rarely anything that is simple yeah so apparently she's got a new roommate that she's trying to deal with you know and uh, and freddie's a dad a stepdad mm-hmm. i guess that you know there he's gonna have a stepdaughter that causes him problems so that's gonna be interesting the real question is where's spencer right what where, where what's he doing that's gonna be i'm sorry as you could tell i was a fan of icarly like d- hate me hate me i don't care i want to see what happens <laughs> um I'm super excited about this one. Congratulations to Entertainment Tonight. This is an awesome thing. Entertainment Tonight has found its newest co-host, elevating Nichelle Turner to the top job alongside Kevin Frazier. And with this promotion, they're making history because Turner is the first black woman to serve as co-host of E.T., Fantastic. That is amazing. And of course, Kevin Frazier is also black. So it's a full black team hosting the show, which is phenomenal. Kudos. Turner joins an all elite and small group of women who have co-hosted the top ranked entertainment news show. Of course, Mary Hart being the original with John Tesh way back in the day, who anchored it from 1982 to 2011. I mean, damn near forever. And then Nancy O'Dell took over from 2011 to 2019. So, um, yeah, congratulations. It's about time. I love Kevin Frazier. I I think these two work really well together, so they're going to be epic. Congratulations. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, something that's not awesome is the Grammy Awards uh, attendance or audience ratings for mm. television. Yeah. Obviously, we let you guys know it was hosted by Trevor Noah, but it it was the lowest televised viewing of the Grammys ever. Now, <laughs> yeah, it was really bad. On a positive note for CBS, it was the most streamed Grammy show ever with 80% most live stream compared to 2020. But, like I said, for network television, it was the lowest rated gra- Grammys But ever. I I mean, it, well, that sounds really bad, right? But it makes sense if it was the highest streamed because it was also ver- available on CBS.com and Paramount+. Plus. And so if all the people were watching it there and not on network... I guess that makes sense, right? It does. It but, does. Okay, all right. And I mean, that should just be even more signed to the network's nail in the coffin, like streaming. <laughs> exactly. By the way, you should have watched it because Dua Lipa, she was fucking phenomenal in both her solo performance and with uh, – it was just – you should have watched it. It was great. Uh, MTV's long-running reality competition program, The Challenge – is set to debut an all-star season on CBS's all-new streaming service, Paramount+. Plus. Uh, let's see. It's going to be April 1st. 
And the upcoming new season will also bring after show, the challenge aftermath. Everybody's doing these after shows now. I think right. that's like the big thing, which is set to provide a behind the scenes look at everything from the challenges to eliminations and the inside the house drama. The after show is hosted by Real World and the challenge alum, Devin Simone, and will be available to stream on Paramount Plus and on the challenge YouTube channel. Oh. So there you go. Interesting. If you can't get enough behind the scenes and you need to know what goes on when it's not on camera there you go there you go and now heading over to nbc universal the peacock unlocked the full run of the office for free for just one week as a nbc universal continues to find new ways to bring in audiences basically stick carrot audience please um so yeah <laughs> it's very interesting peacock made all nine seasons of the original series available for free starting yesterday for one week and uh, the promo is time to its 16th anniversary of the office so which borrowed on uh bowed on nbc on march 24th of 2005 wow so, yeah Get, watch it while you can though because i mean all nine seasons that's something to watch right there exactly um mm. Natasha Leone, this is an interesting one, is going to star in a mystery series for Peacock that hails from Ryan Johnson. That's going to be fucking fantastic. Johnson's going to serve as the writer, director, and executive producer of the one-hour show, which is titled Poker Face. you got to have Lady Gaga do the song, then, apparently. With Leone executive producing in addition to starring, and the Peacock's giving it a 10-episode upfront order. All right. So there you go. All right. Killing it, man. Killing it. Sick. Sinqua Walls has been cast as a series regular in NBC's ensemble drama pilot uh, At the Age. The series oh. is, is an exploitation or exploration, I should say, of an African-American family legacy after Cooper family's golden child suffers a catastrophic event. Seven family members face a uh, found, foundational shift, making life-altering decisions and deal with deep, dark secrets coming to light uh walls will be playing latin cooper the youngest of the siblings rough around the edges but still has that cooper charm damn that sounds intense it does sound like intense. the golden child has an accident some like i mean like gravitating family changes shit all right well, something that's not so devastating or intense, but hey, it is what it is. World of Dance! You know, Jennifer Lopez, Derek Huff, you know, yeah, a little dance reality competition show. Well, it's canceled. Yep, after four seasons, the show's fourth season aired, as you guys know, between May and August of last year. Um, and no plans were ever announced for a fifth season, but now NBC is confirming that it is indeed canceled and not coming back yeah i didn't even know this thing was a thing so yeah, i'm not surprised yep yep exactly i i guess not a lot of people did which yeah. is why it's, i don't know exactly I, I just heard of it because it had Derek huff and jennifer lopez on yeah it, so you know. you know you know uh sony pictures has yet again delayed the theatrical release of venom let there be carnage the superhero sequel starring tom hardy will now debut on the big screen september 17th in the fall that's kind of weird uh the venom sequel yeah. has been postponed several times due to the pandemic most recently it was set for 
June 25th. So, so moving it from the summer, like that, yeah, that's weird because that's a summer film. Yeah. That's a tentpole blockbuster film. Like, hmm, that, hmm. I know, right? Sony, what you doing? MGM. Now, this one is huge news because as you guys know, we talked about this. Combat Control was like one of the most sought after projects in Hollywood with all the studios <laughs> bidding on it. But apparently, the one studio that's always in talks of being out of business or going up for sale won the big epic battle. Uh, MGM's in talks to acquire Combat Control, which tells the true story of Medal of Honor recipient John Chapman. Jake Gyllenhaal is on board to play the late war hero. Sam Hargrave, who has become one of the hotter directors in town after his action pick Extraction from Netflix broke records. He's going to direct the pick. And his longtime collaborator, Shelley Malone, is going to produce. Gyllenhaal's also going to executive produce. And now the search is on for the female lead. Hey. So the MGM, like, like right. you don't think about that, right? When you hear all the studios are in a bid, bidding, bidding war for the, like, you don't think MGM. No. But apparently, good for you, MGM. You go. You They're go, like, MGM. We're still here. We're still here. <laughs> we're not for sale. We're buying this film like it's good. Exactly, exactly. Uh, Blumhouse has inked an overall deal with Epics Pictures to produce a slate of horror th- and thriller films for the premium cable outlet. Under the partnership, Blumhouse Television will produce eight movies for epics and the first being the house on the bayou from Ooh. writer and director alex mccauley and not McCul- mcculkin uh no, i no. don't know why i thought about that one uh <laughs> is slated to premiere in december the remaining seven films will roll out in uh 2022 uh jason bloom will serve as ex- executive producer uh of the slate, uh, I mean, a house on the bayou will focus on a couple that will and their preteen daughter who will go on vacation to an isolated house in Louisiana's bayou to reconnect as a family. When unexpected visitors arrive, their facet and their unity starts to unravel as some terrifying secrets come to light. I'm betting. They're just gators. It's gators outside. Like, their house. Like, like, if you're a family struggling, you're trying to reconnect, get that family bond back, and everything. Like, why would you go to the bayou? <laughs> right. Why would you go to a shady ass house on a bayou <laughs> in Louisiana? Okay, maybe it's Nicolas Cage's dragon. That's what. It Remember is. the drunk dragon. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that would be epic if that's the strange visitor. I'm just saying. Um, Lionsgate. We've got some Lionsgate news. Stars has handed out an early seventh season renewal for its time traveling drama Outlander. Season 7 will again, like the uh, previous seasons, have 12 episodes and will be based on the 7th of author Diane Golden's 8-book series. You think they're going to give an 8th season? Probably if it's 8. It just makes sense, right? Um, An echo in the bone. The early pickup comes as Season 6 of the series currently in production in Scotland. A return date has not yet been determined after production on the series was like everything else halted during to the pandemic but they are getting a seventh season so awesome there we go there we go well now head over to the streaming juggernaut itself netflix they've got an upcoming film coming out with the russo brothers and it's said to be a spy thriller titled the gray man and it's starring ryan gosling uh, and it's heading for prague now whether the streamer will make use of the city's notable shadow, shadowy corners and veteran view crews, who knows? The film is currently filming in Los Angeles and is expected to head east after it wraps up in late April. The cast includes Chris Evans, Jessica Henwick, uh, Wagner Mora, and so many other... Billy Bob Thornton, shit! Yeah. And the budget is estimated to be around $200 million, so shit! 
Yeah, that's crazy. So the most expensive film Netflix has ever made. Yeah. But, I mean, fuck, if you've got Ryan Gosling and, like, a shit ton of Avengers in there, like, that would only make sense. Hopefully it's better than The Irishman. That's all I'm going to say. Just saying. Please be better than The Irishman. Uh, Lawrence Fishburne! Yeah! Speaking of Avengers, right? And S.H.I.E.L.D. And Michelle have joined the cast of Netflix's upcoming Paul Feige film, The School for Good and Evil. They joined previously announced cast members Charlize Theron, Kerry Washington, Sophia Wiley, and Sophia Ann Caruso. They're killing it, man. And they I mean, are. Netflix has also acquired the world rights for Dev Patel's directorial debut, Monkey Man. Sources say the streamer paid around $30 million for this film. And in the film, uh, freaking Dev plays the unlikely hero who emerges from prison to take on a world of embryous corporate greed and eroding uh, spiritual values, seeking revenge from those who took everything from him years ago. There you go. So damn. Damn. I love Dev, Dev Patel, though. I, he's one of my favorite actors, so good. I'm looking forward to that one. Um, here's a story I didn't think we'd be talking about ever, but apparently it's happening. According to sources, a third Ace Ventura, righty then, is being made. It's in the works at Amazon. Is Amazon's goal now to take old 80s and 90s movies and just give them sequels? I know. Is that, I think, is that their plan? I think the reason this is happening is because of coming to America. I think so, too. I think so, too. Well, it's being done by the Sonic the Hedgehog team because uh, that's the writers behind that are the ones that are attempting to bring this back. Um, it was revealed in an interview conducted by distributor Park Circus which is uh, focusing on the production company Morgan Creek, which was, you know, the company behind the original Ace Ventura's. Um, And, of course, you know, the Sonic the Hedgehog team has worked with Jim Carrey, and he was the villain in that, so they're familiar in everything. But do we need a third Ace Ventura movie? Do, do Do we need it? I know, right? Like, do we? <laughs> I mean, I know it had long been rumored that it would be like his son or whatever, but like... Mm. I know. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It is what it is, man. <laughs> it is what it is. I loved the first one. I thought the second one didn't need to happen. Yeah. And I definitely don't think this one needs yeah, to happen. Yeah, but uh, heading over to Apple, Natalie Portman and Sophie Moss, um, Mountain A Production Company, has set a first look deal. TV deal with uh, Team Apple. Under the new multi-year agreement, Apple will have first look on television projects to be developed and produced by Portman & Mass uh, through the newly formed production company. This marks its first producing deal for the pair, and news of the deal comes a week after reported that uh, Portman had signed on to star in Apple series Lady in the Lake. So, I mean, she's just trying to keep it all under one banner, so that's really cool. Yeah, I mean, awesome. And of course, this will be her first time on television, like in a television role, so yeah. that's pretty badass. Uh, speaking of, Anthony Boyle has signed on to star in Apple's World War II drama, Masters of the Air. Of the, And I didn't know this, but apparently this is this is the fact. It's a continuation of Band of Brothers wow. um, from Steven Spielberg and Tom Hanks. Boyle joins previously announced cast members Callum Turner and Austin Butler. Uh, Masters of the Air follows the true story of the American bomber boys in World War II who brought the war to Hitler's door. Step Boyle is going to star as Major Crosby. Damn. So hey, look, anything when anytime Spielberg and Tom Hanks team for a World War II thing, it's epic. Yeah. So and they're, they're obviously based, they had huge success with Greyhound. So you know, just keep going. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Vera Farmiga. 
Farmga uh, has been cast in the lead role of Apple Drama Series Five Days at Memorial. The series will chronicle the first five days in uh, in a New Orleans, Louisiana hospital after Hurricane Katrina made landfall. Damn. When the floodwaters rose, the power failed, and the heat climbed. Exhausted caregivers were focused to make life and death decisions that haunted them for years to come. So, And she will be playing the role of Dr. Anna Powell. So mm. that's going to be intense. Yeah, that's going to be intense. Uh, okay. Uh, I mean, it's always about NOLA, though. What about like where it actually hit? Yeah. I know, I know. I'm being hateful. All right, Tom Hiddleston, Loki himself, all right, is going to star alongside Claire Danes in the upcoming Apple series The Essex Serpent. The one-hour drama series follows newly widowed Cora, who, having being released from an abusive marriage, relocates from Victorian London to the small village of Adwinter in Essex. Mm. Intrigued by a local superstition that a mythical creature known as the Essex Serpent has returned to the area, Hiddleston will star as Will Ransom, the trusted leader of the small-town community. Interesting. Oh, yeah. Are we sure he's not the serpent? He's fucking Loki. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Apple has also ordered a half-hour comedy series starring Maya Rudolph uh, that hails from Alan Yang and Matt Hubbard. The series is about Molly, who will be played by Maya, a woman whose seemingly perfect life is upended after her husband leaves her with nothing but $87 billion. I think she'll be okay. I, you know, is is this about Jeff Bezos? Right. <laughs> I mean, that's what it sounds like. I'm just saying, just saying. Oh my goodness, Man, so good. That right? was a lot. It that was, was a lot. lot of news. But if it's happening, we're talking about it. So that's there you right. go. Exactly. Exactly. Well, now it is time for the top five segment. Oh my goodness! It is top five live performers this week. Yeah. And I mean, of course, of course, you're thinking music and concerts and stuff. But, I mean, you know, you got to dabble in a little bit of theatric, or, I mean, like, thespian shit sure, as well. Sure. So, I mean, of course, of course, man. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Well, my number five, going back to a free concert I had in Mobile, Alabama, the Dirty Heads. Oh, my goodness. They became one of my favorite, like, reggae rock bands after this go. concert. And honestly, I was there by myself, and by the end of it, I was hanging out with some, like... 40-year-old women. It was really (laughs) weird, really strange, but definitely an experience I will always remember. And I think that's what's best about live performers and live performances. You get to meet people who you never thought you would even engage with. So, yeah, number five, The Dirty Heads. Yes, my number five, TPR, The Pretty Reckless, led by frontwoman Taylor (laughs) Momsen, who... Gossip Girl, and you remember little Cindy Lou Who from the How the Grinch? That's her. She's yeah. the leader of a rock band now, and they're fucking badass. Me and Lil Cam, me and Emily, the daughter, uh, we love them. The Pretty Red. We cannot get enough of them. We have seen them live a bunch of times, and they put on one seriously, seriously epic live show. Caveman Man, the drummer is just so badass. It, it's just. Yeah, 
I mean, this was a hard category for me because me and Emily have seen so many great live bands and performances. This was hard to choose five. Yeah. So, but anyway, the Pretty Reckless, if you have not, they're getting a lot of mainstream success now. But uh, if you haven't listened to them or heard, check them out, man. They're badass. Definitely, definitely. Well, my number four, taking it back to my Bonnaroo days, going back to the festival before yes. pandemic, Snoop Dogg. Oh, my goodness. This guy was fucking great. He came a little late, but his helicopter was running late. But, like, this guy was able to unify the whole freaking crowd. I'm talking, like, everybody of any race, any religion, any, like, whatever. Like, everybody was just going back and forth. Like, obviously doing the competition things. Like, you scream louder, you scream louder. It was just a very fun experience. And, of course, getting down with a little gin and juice and all the good stuff. I mean, this guy was just so freaking fun to have live so yes my number four snoop dogg yes of course of course my number four 21 pilots Mm. like i gotta tell you they were one of the most phenomenal live shows i have ever seen full of energy like they sounded great the crowd was into it we saw them live when a massively dangerous electrical storm was rolling in, these guys continued to put on the show. They continued to do what they do until it got too dangerous. But, I mean, we had to, like... But they were like, "We, you came to see our full concert. We are giving you our full concert. And they just started ramping up. There were no... And they just, like, went through, like, every song they were supposed to do before the lightning would hit. And you don't understand. The two of them were up on metal, like, tin roof stages and stuff dude and there's fucking lightning in the background that looks like it would kill the world and they're up there on metal roofs i'm like oh these are and we're sitting on metal bleachers yeah everybody's like when are they calling this when are they calling this we're not calling it we're gonna finish it and that was so fucking epic man they were awesome and they sounded fantastic you know i'm very proud of you for not having all 80s bands in no i mean really could have but i I mean you threw two in there that weren't you know i mean look i i I mean like i said better than ezra and, and, and fucking Maroon 5 and just like Red Hot Chili Pepper. Well, well, they were kind of 80s also. But there, we've seen so many epic live ones that I couldn't even like – I had a hard time choosing. But anyway, 21 Pilots, man. Yes, yes. And my number three is one that I'm so happy I can kind of hold over you because you've never got to experience this. The Beastie Boys. <sighs> so freaking good. Another Bonner. That was a great year. But fucking like – they were just absolutely amazing before What's-His-Face died, so sadly. Uh, but, I mean, the way they were connecting and bonding and just experiencing the stage together and being in tune with the crowd. Like, the guy, what the one of the guys had freaking pizza and was literally handing it down to people in the front row. It was so freaking great. One of my all-time memorable moments. One of my first concerts ever, actually. So, yes, my number three, the Beastie Boys. Yeah, I'm kind of bummed because I had a chance and I didn't and then just fuck yeah fuck and that's one of those where you wish it's kind of like Prince where yeah. we had a chance it's like Tom Petty Tom Petty me, yeah. yeah just like fuck but anyway good for you I'm glad you I'm glad but okay I did get two like that that thank <laughs> god I got them because you know and I'm and one of them now is number three and I'm talking about Guns and fucking roses. Guns and roses. When Axel and Slash buried the hatchet, got back together, went back on tour, holy shit. This was one I wanted to see so bad when they were first out and huge and popular, and and I didn't. So when this happened, they said, hey... We're gonna we're gonna do this. We're gonna get back together. We're gonna do it. I was there. <laughs> Emily and I were there. And oh my 
God, they were epic. Axel's a little heavier, a little slower, but that motherfucker could still sing and slash. When he goes into the guitar and it's like the Godfather theme song and he rolls out of the Godfather theme song into Sweet Child of Mine, holy shit. It was one of the most epic things I've ever seen in my life. It was like, yeah. And and Axel can just when he's playing the piano, just like fucking brilliant. I, I was so happy we got to see old school Guns N' Roses. Awesome. awesome. So good, man. So good. Well, my number two goes to Panic at the Disco. Saw yes. them freaking Fourth of July. Man, they were like fucking Brendan Yuri literally owns the stage. Wherever he's at, he just has so much fun. And it's always infectious. It gives the crowd something to get amplified with because like he's dancing around, jumping off of shit doing backflips yeah. like this guy is so freaking fun and it was kudos to him because he's been doing it since like the early 2000s with so many different band members inter intertwining and like coming True. in and out and like he's like the last original left and now they're on top of the world so brendan yuri panic at the disco my number two such an epic performance yeah good call good call saw them on new year's eve and they were fucking incredible like i mean just badass so that's a good call See, there's so many. Like, Imagine Dragons and, like, just the people I've seen on New Year's Eve were all fucking happy. But anyway, my number two, rest in peace, Mr. Eddie Van Halen. Uh, so grateful I got to see them reunited and old school Van Halen on stage uh, before he passed because I would have been devastated. But uh, David Lee Roth, Van Halen back uh, in the Superdome in New Orleans, fucking Van Halen, one of the greatest concerts I have ever seen in my life. Um and make no mistake, ladies and gentlemen, you can argue me down all you want to. Jimi Hendrix or even Slash or just who. There is no fucking greater guitar player ever than Eddie Van Halen. That dude can, he has, it talks. He literally makes the guitar talk. But he did the single most greatest epic guitar solo I have ever seen in my life. Just like. It was like 15, 20 minutes long of him just nonstop playing. And it was like he became one with the fucking guitar. I've never seen anything like it in my life. I am so glad I got to see that concert. I was drunk as shit. But, uh, you know, I had a blast. I got to go with an old friend of mine who was a huge Van Halen fan. And, and, and she was just like, it was amazing. It was amazing. Van Halen. And, again, rest in peace to the greatest of all time, Eddie Van Halen. There you go. There you go. Yes. One of the best guitar players ever. <laughs> oh, man. But my number one, I, I mean, fucking, there's no way I could have because sold out everywhere. But thankful to Disney Plus being one of my favorite streaming services ever, we got to experience Hamilton. So mm. my number one goes to Lin-Manuel Miranda. He literally becomes his characters, guys. Like, I even went back and watched his version when he was playing in In the Heights. And, like, yeah. this guy is fucking amazing he literally becomes the characters like i said but with him his interpretation of alexander hamilton and going through all the emotions with eliza and like it was just so good it was so good and i mean i still have the soundtrack on repeat so my number one lin manuel miranda mm. Mm. yeah that's a tough one to top but my number <laughs> one maybe maybe the greatest vocalist of my generation for sure but maybe of all time Prior to all the bullshit, prior to, um, I'm talking about the one and only incomparable Whitney Houston. Um, man, 
I I don't think I have ever seen anybody sing like that live in my life. I literally got goosebumps. Hair stood up when she hit notes. Like I, it's the most amazing thing I have ever seen in my life. She was one of the first concerts I ever went to. Um, small venue, Lakefront Arena in New Orleans, and um, just like I said, prior to Bobby Brown, prior to all the bullshit, when she was just fucking straight up Whitney. You know, I just. I've never seen anybody sing like that in my life. Like the a way she was able to just belt shit out and the notes that she was able to hit for the length that she was able to hit them. I, just to this day, I don't think I've seen anybody sing live that matches that. And of course, then obviously the epic Star Spangled Banner. Like yeah. nobody's ever going to top that. Um, just a phenomenally talented woman who unfortunately had a horrific ending to a, a stellar life and career. So um, – Glad I got to see her live before that all went down. There you go. Um, Whitney Houston, my number one. Yes, man. Yes. And what are your top five live performers? We want to know. I mean, there's always good stories when it comes to these oh, guys. Yeah, like always. we were talking about. We just want to know. We love the fan interaction. Be sure to comment in the YouTube comment section, social media, all that good stuff. Let us know because we just love the conversation. I can't believe I left off Color Me Bad. <laughs> <laughs> I want to sex you up. They were so good, I bungee jumped afterwards. I was like, I'm going to end it all. I'm oh, just my done. goodness. <laughs> well, anyway, time for the box office recap. Uh, last week, Ryan and the Last Dragon are still at number one. Of course. $5.7 Tom and Jerry still at number two with $4.1 Chaos Walking with $2.2 Number yes. four was Boogie with seven hundred seventy-eight thousand. Number five is The Crudes, A New Age, with mm. five hundred forty-one thousand. Yeah, right, right. And then new movies coming out possibly in a theater near you. Slowly but surely opening up. Slacks, Slacks, The Carrier, uh, City of Lies, which is that Johnny Depp detective one about Biggie Smalls, yep, finally yep. coming out. Uh, Enforcement and Happily. Hmm. And movies you can still go see are The Marksman, The Father, The the Little Things, Wonder Woman 1984, and Jathi Ratnu, so whatever that is. Yeah, I've never even fucking heard of yeah, that. Yeah, even so. the Hollywood Foreign Press didn't even know what that one was. No, know. no, but yeah, all good things, all good things. And now heading over to IMDb Pro's Top Trending segment. You all guys know. of which makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it really does with all the relevant things that are happening because IMDb Pro is on top of everything relevant that is happening in Hollywood, they're almost as relevant as us. Um, almost. The, almost. The top trending movie is coming to America by no surprise with its release uh, a week or two ago. Yes. Uh, top trending TV show is still WandaVision, which I bet will be replaced here soon with Falcon and the Winter Soldier. <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing so, yes. Yes. And the top trending star is Meghan Markle. Everybody's talking about that interview and everybody's going back and watching Suits. So. Yeah, I just watched the uh, the hookup, the first hookup. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, so <laughs> it's such a good show, man. Uh, so thank uh, you just... for listening to episode one fifty four of Inside the Crazy Ant Farm. We had a blast talking about all the Oscar stuff. It was so good. Uh, be sure to follow the company and the podcast on social media at Crazy Ant Media and at ItCap Podcast. You can follow us both personally on social media. Myself at JLo Fantastic and Crazy Ant Guy nineteen seventy. That's right. And you guys know. You you can subscribe to this podcast anywhere you listen to your podcast.
Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, Google Play Music, Podbean, Stitcher, and so much more. If you're watching this video on YouTube, be sure to hit the like button to the video, subscribe, and ring the bell for all the latest and greatest notifications that we got going down, guys. And be sure to visit our website, www.crazyantmedia.com, for all the latest and greatest Crazy Ant Media gear we have available to you. And be sure to donate to our Patreon page, start sharing some love to the guys that you love. Man, this was an absolute blast to do. Obviously, talking about the Oscars and all that stuff, but talking about Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I'm a comic book geek, so I mean, obviously, Justice League, Snyder Cut. That's uh, right. Yeah, but there was so much good stuff. And Game of Thrones, New Outlook. I literally just started that New Outlook today, so we'll see. Hopefully, they're spaced out apart enough, too. Like, you know. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of good stuff happened this week. You're completely converted. You yeah. are a total comic book geek now. Yeah, yeah. It's fantastic. I love every second of it. Next step is to get him to actually read source material. So that, yeah, you know, you can't just be a comic book movie geek. You've got to be a comic book geek. Uh, it's going to happen. Guys. YouTube happen. replaced the comics. They can catch me up for everything. There was literally a video on Watch Mojo that was like, Ten top ten things you need to watch or need to know before watching Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So, I but it's I so much to better that. to actually read them, man. <laughs> like what the fuck? Nah, nah. We'll get him on it. We'll get him on it. And of course, yeah, like you said. I mean, so the uh, the Oscars is always fun to talk about. And then you know what I really liked though, and and one of the things that I'm just I'm proud of, and that that you know is. We had so many stories in the industry news this week that featured former guests on the show. Yeah. I'm so just beyond proud and, and grateful that we have been able to interview and have people on the show that are in all of these amazing projects happening in Hollywood right now. Yeah. Um, just, I mean, that's so fun and, and so amazing. And I mean, how can we not love that? Exactly. Like, I mean, it's so freaking good. So many, we're so thankful. Over a hundred guests on the podcast. It's yeah. been absolutely a blast, been absolutely amazing. We're blessed. We're just, it's great. It's a great time. And of course, everybody loves, we love, you love, they love, <laughs> Oprah! Oprah!